Now, uh, the other piece of that is generally what we have done past practices has been whatever night the uh, infraction happened right. uh, is the particular day that the infraction needs to be served. Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet at WFPR.FM and in the local Franklin area mass dial FM dial at 102.9. There was a town council meeting last night on a Wednesday. This is a Thursday morning, and we're going to do another one of those town council quarterbacking sessions with our town council chair, Tom Ursa. Tom, good morning. Happy Thursday. Good morning, Steve. Happy Thursday to you. Uh, you know, week to week, uh, you know, only a week in be no in between for uh, this one. We had two in a row because obviously because of uh, school holidays and people mm-hmm. going away and so forth. So we had back to back meetings. So yeah, it doesn't happen too often, but it does, well, and that's okay. You still conducted business, and we'll get into that. So for those who are listening, clearly, if you've listened to us before, you kind of know the routine. For those, if you haven't listened before, what we're attempting to do is kind of the two major questions from last night's meetings. Okay, what just happened? (laughs) And what does it mean for us Franklin residents and taxpayers? And while last night's meeting respectfully was, what, about 70 minutes or something like that? Um, it it certainly was not so long. You've had two and three and four hour meetings, but we'll condense it for the listeners and give them the key points. And then they can go dig in uh, into the docs, which were released. And certainly the recordings, video and audio will be available shortly from both Franklin Matters and TV. And they can go further into the details as required. So we started last night with our recognition, relatively unusual to the extent that we usually have police, the police, a fire, et cetera. But this is a, a local business owner, an immigrant as well, um, who's been I've been following since he opened his uh, shades and place shop in 2009. Roger Malga, he's got a nice award. Yes, he did. Uh, and it's great to see again uh, when we have these. Uh, proclamations and recognitions. Uh, it's really good to uh, help celebrate the accomplishments and achievements of uh, our local residents. And this is really uh, one of those really good ones where uh, Roger was a recipient of the Immigrant Learning Center's BM Portnoy Immigrant Entrepreneur Award for outstanding business growth. Yeah, that's and, a mouthful. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a mouthful for sure. Uh, but uh, it was really, really nice to uh, see this happen and uh, help celebrate with Roger and his wife the uh, uh, the award. And I think what uh, what can't shouldn't go unnoticed here is this is through the pandemic too, <laughs> when yeah. things uh, for all businesses were not easy. So uh, uh, this is just one of those where it was really nice to be able to help celebrate and recognize uh, Roger on his achievement and his winning of the award. 
And certainly this is picking a business up because you got this particular award. So you're recognized as well. But I think the other piece that's key is there are a lot of businesses, I think, that are certainly potential for those kinds of awards. And while some of them are relatively new, Roger, as I mentioned, he did his shop opening in 2009. So that's, you know, 13 years ago. He started really becoming established and it's been a struggle. It's been an evolving process, um, especially in kind of the home decor window shades. I mean, this is not a dynamic, um, you know, very exciting industry, but, you know, he he delivers the service. He delivers the product um, and he's built the business and he's been sharing that with others. So it's all good, really. And I appreciate the council for recognizing him uh, because he got this award. Mm -hmm. Hopefully we'll see more of these because clearly, as you're aware, and Flo's listeners, um, there are other relatively young businesses in Franklin. And we just need to continue to support local, shop local, uh, shop Franklin, uh, Franklin first. I mean, there's a number of acronyms that people have been coming up. <laughs> One Franklin, all of the above. All of the above. Buy local yeah. first. If it, if it's Franklin, we want it. And we want right. to do it and right. support it. And then you had some serious business. And this is one of the few times where um, for the listeners, clearly the town council generally is a legislative and oversight body. But you actually had some action in an administrative role last night with some alcohol beverage license uh, compliance check failures, which don't happen that often, but they do from time to time. And last night was one of those times. Uh, yes. And, uh, you know, it's always unfortunate when these uh, uh, when these things happen. But uh, last night we had three uh, local businesses that uh, had to come before us uh, because of their failure to pass a compliance check. And basically what that amounts to is periodically the uh, police go out and uh, do basically what amounts to a sting uh, operation where uh, they go into local businesses that uh, serve alcohol and, uh, uh, you know, with an underage individual, not with fake IDs or anything like that. Uh, uh, she made a point in, of actually removing the ID from the individual. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they don't allow them to go in with any ID of any kind. And uh, they try and buy alcohol. And if they are successful in doing that, obviously, the police are right outside the door. And uh, then uh, citations issued and they have to uh, uh, come before the council. We have to deal with those, with those issues. Now, there were, I believe, 33 or 30 something uh, uh, compliance checks scheduled that evening. I think there were six or seven that weren't serving alcohol at that particular time for one reason or another. Um, But of the balance, 26, I guess, there were three that uh, failed. So we had to um, Chief Lynch and Lieutenant Zimmerman, who was in control of the uh, operation, uh, presented to us last night. 
And as we have done in prior situations like that, certainly in my tenure, uh, we have put together kind of a, a guideline to go by as to what happens when this, and trying to be consistent. And basically what we have done for first-time uh, offenders, it's a three-day three suspension with one day served and two days held in abeyance for two years. So that if, in fact, there was another uh, compliance failure mm -hmm. uh, by that business, um, we would institute the balance of the uh, two days. So, so basically, that's uh, kind of the process. All three of these were first-time offenders. But unfortunately, what happened last night, there were two of the three that did not show up. And uh, uh, to the hearing now. Um, mm, that's unusual. That had and not that is very unusual. It that had not, not occurred in, in my 15 years reporting. Yeah. And yeah. So, Attorney Cyril mentioned that as well. He, I'm so, sure he goes back further than I do. But <laughs> exactly. So I think. You know, one of the things we're going to do. So what we did last night was the two that weren't there, we continued the hearing till our next meeting. And then with the request, we will have them present at our next meeting and uh, we'll follow up with that to understand, first of all, why they didn't show yeah. Uh, at the prior meeting. So, so yeah, those two were continued, uh, though, and those were the 7-Eleven up on King Street uh, and uh, Liquor World. Uh, the individual that was there was uh, from Jimmy D's, which is on Union Street, and basically uh, uh, he accepted. He was there. He understood it was, you know, he had a, a letter that he responded to the uh, uh, compliance team, as well as to the council where, you know, it was a new a new bartender and uh, only been there a few months and definitely made a mistake and mm -hmm. uh, uh, took ownership. And uh, he was given a uh, exactly what I just said, which was a three-day suspension with one day served and two held in abeyance for two years. Now, uh, the other piece of that is generally what we have done past practices has been whatever night the uh, infraction happened right. uh, is the particular day that the infraction needs to be served. So in this particular case, it was a Wednesday night. So it was agreed upon last night that, uh, and uh, supported by the council, that uh, Jimmy D's would be served on the 20th, which I believe is uh, next, next Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Next Wednesday. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think the consideration as well to add to that, um, because he had accepted, there was no indication of him appealing with it as a time as close as that um, right. was appropriate. And he agreed to, and his point, I think, was Let, let's get it over. I, I made a mistake. Let's just get it over and go on. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. But those are the ones that you don't like to have come before you, but uh, it is part of uh, our responsibilities as a council. So <clears throat> unfortunately, we have to deal with them. And, and uh, there may be something interesting, and I probably would be somewhat speculative, so I want to cautious, be cautious in that regard. But uh, obviously, the notices went out. They were standard notifications. They had been used all the time. This is the first time one, not only one, but two did not show. So at least from a notification perspective, I think the town discussion was that you're going to send kind of a certified receipt to at least confirm exactly. that they going, actually did get it. Right. And going forward, all of these will be certified so that we're sure that they'll get them. Because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. At least take that piece off the table, so to speak. There's enough else going on. Yeah, exactly. All right. And then the key presentation and discussion um, was one of the, quote, check the box items on this MBTA uh, community planning. And while it's really and it's more formality, uh, check the box piece, because I think for those who are aware through the Franklin for All or in or through other mediums, um, the draft guidelines were also submitted via comments or bunch comments were submitted to the draft guidelines. The final guidelines have not yet come out, but at least to check the box, the guidelines were reviewed in a town council meeting. So now at least we can submit our application to can say we're in compliance and that's the key piece going forward. We still have lots of work to do, but that's already planned for. And right. you can elaborate on that. Very much in the very beginning stages. I know uh, the Economic Development uh, Subcommittee has been uh, working through this uh, with the MBTA as well as with our town planners. And uh, what last night's presentation was basically uh, the notification from, uh, from the state is that they had to make the governing body aware uh, of uh, the process. And prior to uh, May 4th, I think was the date, or probably May 1st even. And uh, so that's basically what last night was, was kind of just giving us, giving us an update on and it's really all about the downtown zoning and zoning around the MBTA uh, stations. Uh, Franklin's unique in some ways where we have two, so uh, some of the requirements uh, we're able to uh, conceivably deal with some at one and some at the other uh, location for our stations, for our uh, MBTA stations. So uh, anyway, this is very, very beginning <laughs> stages of this. And as you stated, Steve, uh, uh, the final guidelines uh, haven't come out. So, and it could be a year 
before we see the final guidelines. But last night's presentation was basically just to be able to, again, as you said, check the box and mm. uh, making the governing uh, body aware of uh, what is on the horizon, let's say, uh, as far as downtown zoning and so forth. Yeah, and for the a quick refresher, reminder for the listeners, uh, clearly housing period is an issue. We don't have enough, never mind affordable, never mind the right depth and breadth, et cetera, to meet the community needs. And mass to their effort, this is one of the keys whereby, and it kind of makes sense that way, you know, put some housing and grow housing around the MBTA. So at least right. you're leveraging transit, walking, et cetera, and thereby avoiding, avoiding roads and uh, other issues with that. So that's the great big plan. And obviously the devil's in the details. We know some of them. We don't know all of them. But fortunately, right. to our credit, if anything, we were already starting down this path with the Franklin for All and the zoning analysis with MAPC right. providing their inputs and guidance. Um, I realized the, uh, there was one question, I think Brian Taberner answered it nicely, where some of the requirements as they are drafted require a, dish, a higher density in certain areas. Our current zoning in the downtown already exceeds the minimum requirements from the state. So exactly. we're going to be in a good position, at least from that point of view. The one of the questions occurred to me later was, and I think the number is like 1883 um, in terms of the required units from a zoning perspective. I'm right. curious, we may already have what that number actually is we're, in that we're, area. We're, we're pretty, pretty darn close. Obviously. I, I, I would think we're, that. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and basically what it is, is, as you stated, uh, it's a zoning ordinance or bylaw that provides for at least one district of reasonable size in which multifamily housing is permitted as of right. Mm -hmm. So, so again, uh, much more to come. You know, people can uh, log into some of the EDC meetings where you'll right. hear a lot of this before. And you'll hear the nit and gritty, so to speak, uh, uh, before it gets to the uh, full council, having been vetted by our uh, planning team and our administrative planning team, and then getting uh, coming to the EDC before coming to the council. So right. a lot of steps and uh, a lot of things yet to come from the state. So Yeah, and this would be one of those topics that we'll be hearing about for a while because I think the other key point was uh, the implementation, the availability of at least the current regulations uh, needs to be completed by, you know, end of 2024. So, yeah, clearly there's two years at least for us yeah. to continue to do our work. Um, I think Brian mentioned that there's no rush. We don't need to do it very quickly. And if it wasn't Brian, it was Jamie, because I know you've all been saying the same thing. There, there's no yeah. rush to do this. Let's do it. Do it properly. Have the discussions. And zoning, by the nature of the process, coming through EDC, the proposal then goes to the town council. If it's purely zoning, goes off to the planning board. There's hearings there before coming back to the town council. So there is plenty of time once the proposal gets to a proposal. So we're in that early session. So there's plenty of time there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
And then you had one piece of legislation for action, relatively minor, but key in terms of the Grove Street project. Very, very key, uh, Steve. And um, I wish, uh, hindsight being 2020, I wish we had spoken a little more about the project itself last night and where we are in that project. Hmm. Um, and Mike Maglio was there and I uh, didn't hit me until after the fact that yeah. uh, that would have been a great a great time to uh, ask uh, for an update. But uh, I asked Jamie to give us one in his town administrator's report uh, at our next meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically what the uh, legislation last night was um, we needed to uh, – uh, get an easement from a property owner uh, right next to the Grove Street, uh, Washington Street intersection uh, for the uh, traffic light. Mm-hmm. And I can't uh, thank Matt and Angela Rafino Gordon uh, for the ease in which we were able to uh, get that easement from uh, from them. Very accommodating, great Franklin people mm-hmm. uh, uh, that totally get it and understand, live right at that intersection, obviously. So totally understand uh, uh, how bad that intersection is right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, by giving us that easement uh, for virtually nothing, um, is uh, was just evident as to how our community looks, uh, how the residents look at our community and are willing to help where, wherever they can. And uh, again, I can't thank Matt and Angela uh, Gordon enough for their uh, help in helping us to get that intersection uh renovated and squared up. The problem of that intercession has been growing as the town has grown. Um, and I know there are certain times a day that if I'm going in that area and I'm going to have to take a left turn from Grove onto Washington, I'll find another route. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. with the light in place at some point in time, perhaps in the next year, then that's where we'll get an update in terms of how close that timeline is. I think between the Massworks grants and some other town money, et cetera, and now we got the easement. We'll see how close that is to uh, actually happening. And obviously, there'll be some pain before there is gain. We'll have to go through the construction period, but it'll be better after. We will be, for sure. And then I think the only other piece to kind of tease up for future in May, um, the EDC met uh, to review a couple of the parking items, one from the parking discussion prior to at one of the council meetings with the uh, dean students in the neighborhood and then parking downtown as well. Um, And given the discussion and the healthy discussion thereby at the EDC meeting, I'm sure it's going to be an even healthier discussion at the town council. Uh, I I believe it will for sure, Steve. Uh, uh, This is kind of to a degree been an ongoing uh, concern of some of the residents on East and West and Mason streets. Uh, where the on-street, some of the on-street parking is, uh, in their opinion, being abused by 
uh, some of these Dean students. We've been looking, uh, it's been discussed at the council level, it's been discussed uh, and uh, a month or two ago, I think I kicked it back to the EDC to review mm -hmm. and come up uh, with a recommendation. They, in turn, kicked it back to uh, Chief Lynch and the police department, to actually, to and Lieutenant Zimmer, uh, Lieutenant Riley, I'm sorry, uh, who have been working with these uh, uh, neighbors and trying to uh, come up with a solution. One of the things is uh, that's was discussed and uh, will be brought forward to the council. And I don't want to shield the thunder of the EDC mm -hmm. as they come forward with the recommendation to the council. But uh, basically, it's an increase in ticket uh, fee. So if somebody uh, has overtime parking, uh, currently, I think it's Fifteen dollars uh, uh, for overtime parking, and the feeling is that if we increase that number, it might uh, deter some of the some of the students from uh, the overtime parking issues that we have on East and West Street. But by doing that, and by increasing the parking fees. Uh, the other piece you have to look at is downtown because it affects uh, now you're talking about the businesses downtown. And if somebody is overtime parking, you're increasing that fee as well. So there's a lot to consider and a lot of people. And there was some very lively discussion mm -hmm. at the uh, EDC. And I'm sure in, uh, when it's brought to the council, There'll be a very lively discussion at the council level, uh, and, but we will deal with it and we'll make some adjustments and hope they work. And if they don't, we'll make more adjustments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the truly it was a healthy discussion because clearly there were some opinions and some facts being shared. So I think anybody benefiting from having listened to the conversation certainly understands better of the, of the multiple sides. And while we've heard from a number of folks, I'm sure we haven't heard from everybody. There may be other things out there that we want to listen to, which is why it's coming to the town council for that broader forum. So exactly. Yeah. Well, that sounds good. That's kind of the recap as I think from last night, anything else to add? I, I agree. Okay. And we'll tease up, come back in May. We'll do this again. Uh, thank you all for listening. And as we've said, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. 
The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clock and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.